All right, welcome back to Miserable and Reckless, where we're bringing you unfiltered takes on sports, culture, music, and all things the South. I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. As always, go on to uh, Apple Podcasts and don't give us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five stars as a, and leave us a good review. Subscribe on there. Uh, go and follow us on Spotify, uh, so all of our social media accounts on Facebook and Twitter. We'll keep you updated on that. And before we tell into the good, the bad, and the ugly, I'd like to, to implore everyone to go and check out the latest episode of Country and Cold Cans with our uh, slap and crap. We had a brand new guest picker this week. We had Ryan Angle here from Miserable and Reckless uh, joining us on the on the podcast. So go on and check that out. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Podbean. Uh, it was a good episode. All right, moving into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, throw it over to Ryan. Take it away. I was thinking about doing that as my good. The, uh, the last minute edition. Hey, can you jump on my podcast tonight? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, good. Shout out to Justin Thomas for winning the players. Um, it kind of made last weekend uh, savable. There wasn't a, a lot of big names that I liked watching. They, they all kind of did bad. Uh, preview of my ugly there. Um, uh, also, based on that podcast that we were on, um, I found a new song that I really liked, so I wanted to uh, to let everybody know about it. It's t- uh, Logan. Am I saying this right? Tony Tony Logue. Yeah, Tony Logue, out of okay. Kentucky. And uh, he has a song called Earnhardt, and it's about uh, watching racing with your dad. And I'll leave it at that. And uh, it's 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 a special song. So if people want to check it out, it's Tony L O G U E, and and it's Earnhardt, as in senior or Dale Junior. It's off the Serpents and Saviors album. Um, and then the other thing that's a quasi good because it hasn't quite happened yet is I'm still kind of awaiting the news of whether or not I'm going to be an uncle four times over. And it, it seems like it would be happening at any moment now. So, um, so uh, props to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law for um, hopefully uh, having everything work out. So those are my three goods for the week. Um, my bads are pretty easy. They're based around the tournament. Um, I don't feel like Carolina should have been an eight seed with uh, Virginia Tech being a 10 in the same bracket. I feel like they kind of screwed us because we immediately ran into Baylor if we beat Wisconsin, which is a big if. Um, It's kind of hard to care about this year's tournaments because as a Carolina fan um, who also watches a lot of Duke and a lot of ACC, uh, we don't have a lot of blue bloods in. So there's no Kentucky. There's no Duke. There's no Louisville. There's no Michigan. Well, Michigan State and UCLA have to play in tonight at like 10 o'clock at night. And uh, UVA and Kansas have COVID issues. Nova lost Villanova, lost both of their point guards in the last two weeks. So uh, I guess we're going to have some new blood winner. Um, I keep hearing about the new bloods. So either that or we're going to have the uh, – apparently this is the Big Ten's year. Finally, they're going to win a championship. They have nine teams in, so they have literally a 14% chance of winning. Uh, eight teams if you don't count Rutgers. What, what conference? Uh, the Big Ten with 17 teams or whatever in it. Oh, Rutgers Conference, okay. Yeah, the conference was Rutgers. <laughs> they did get Rutgers basketball into the tournament this year somehow. Maybe because all those other teams weren't allowed in. But, um, yeah. So, uh, I know my brother-in-law listens to this podcast. He wanted me to say something about the Big Ten. So, congratulations on getting nine teams in, including uh, Rutgers. If you don't win, then then it's clear that you're not a good conference. <laughs> my year drought. <laughs> Last one going to lose tomorrow. And then to, to, to keep this very simple, my uglies are pretty simple. Um, Morgan, this is uh, 
We had a streak going of St. Patty's days where we were hanging out together. And this is the second one in a row where we haven't done crap. So know, if, uh, if, um, if we can get something together in September, supposedly, as you saw, they're doing something in September in Annapolis. So maybe, maybe we can have like a, a fake St. Patty's day up there. I already mentioned it. Roy shooting 10 plus over par was terrible. It's not a good way to start the weekend and didn't really make me enjoy watching the golf tournament. And then the last thing that I was going to mention, and I think it it says worth mentioning, I'll keep it short. Uh, My attitude was pretty piss poor over the weekend. And I just wanted to say uh, that's my ugly of the week, but I also wanted to thank the guys because these friends are a needed outlet at times. And yes, this is a podcast, but we also have a friendship outside of this. So although it may ruin our highly crafted brand, uh, that we're all miserable all the time. Um, I wanted to say my attitude is ugly and I appreciate these guys. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> all right, Morgan, take it away. All right. Well, thank you. Angle. Yeah. We appreciate your friendship as well, man. Sometimes. <laughs> Definitely not when, uh, North Carolina and Virginia Tech are playing each other. That's when I just tell you that go back to hell in Chapel Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if I good. Oh, I'll just jump right into it. Tech making the tournament. Uh, Mike Young's got a good team this year, even though they're living by the three, most likely going to die by the three tomorrow against Florida. Uh, and fingers crossed on another thing. I can't really talk much about it at this point, but Wednesday went extremely well for a certain person, um, a certain situation. So. Fingers crossed we hear something on Monday. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> um, bad. Both kids ended up getting sick over the weekend starting on Friday. Brody was more sick than Bridget, actually, and he's just been miserable walking around and just moaning and laying down everywhere. Just pitiful. pitiful. I should have laughed. <laughs> it's um, actually kind of funny as you're describing it. <laughs> he just, you know, he falls to the ground and just cries worse than a soccer player faking a foul. <laughs> uh, and then uh, my ugly, I'm just going to go for North Carolina's weather. I mean, I think we've seen winter, fall, spring, and summer all in one week here. Extreme. I mean, it's just, but then you get used to it in North Carolina after a while. It's, you know, it just still sucks. And uh, to finish it off, so yeah, Angle, St. Patty's Day, we had a streak there for a while. It was pretty amazing. I think I remember one time I took off two days in a row, and that morning went and bought like four six-packs of different Irish beers, but, uh, two bottles of Jameson, two bottles of uh, Bailey's, and invited everybody over to the apartment. I think it was, still wasn't even fully furnished yet because I had just moved in there. <laughs> we just started drinking about 9 a.m. and finished up at the tea lounge and drank there till about 2 2:30 in the morning. Yeah, it was in Wilmington. You yeah. clearly texted me a photo about 9:30 in the morning of all your wares, <laughs> and I was at work, and it was all I could do to get out of there as soon as possible. I begged my boss to let me leave. It was a it was a retail store. I was like, hey, where are you at? Click. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I think I had a. I still have my fake beard, my Irish hat, and a green jacket blazer. Uh, I think that was the last time I wore that outfit, too, because it ended up getting lost. <laughs> but uh, that's it for me, the good, bad, and the ugly. Kind of shortened the point. All right, Dustin. 
All right. Mine's pretty simple. Um, sticking to my theme from last week, there's no good. COVID ended my team season early, and I'm still grumpy. Um, bad and ugly, you know, to piggyback on Morgan. Uh, Emmy's been sick since Saturday. Finally went back to daycare today. And uh, a lot of work. You know, not just her being sick, but us trying to work too and trying to manage all of that. Uh, God bless all the parents out there who have like dealt with virtual school, basically homeschool for months and months and months and actually worked. Um, my goodness. I don't know how they've done it for a year. I would have already uh, marched on the school if I were them. But anyway, upside is she's doing better. So I guess I kind of sort of have a good. That's it for me. <laughs> told you all right well uh so this weekend uh one of my good buddies named cj uh, he's getting married in may uh so this weekend's the bachelor trip going to Asheville, north carolina we have a huge really nice house that overlooks some type of like brook that you know about 10 of us are going out that way should be a good time um so that i'm looking forward to um, also kind of a good NC state's one by 11, which segues into my bad. They're playing in the NIT. Um, it's good to, it's good to, uh, get the freshman guards some experience cause they're going to be a really good backcourt over the next few years for the pack. But, um, outside of the experience factor, I mean, it's, it's still the NIT. Um, and then ugly is basketball this year. It sucked. Um, NCAA tournament. I don't care about. There's no teams the only team that I'm ever pulling for really is whoever's playing Carolina this week. And um, other than that, you know, maybe go Texas Tech. I don't know. Wreck them. But, you know, good, the bad, and the ugly for me. <laughs> not much not much positivity on basketball right now. Yeah, yeah, brother. You got much pull for Virginia Tech tomorrow. I mean, well, can't do that. I don't want you happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be miserable next week. Exactly. I'm not happy. No one can be. <laughs> yeah. um, Duke, all right. didn't get, Duke didn't get invited to the NIT. NC <laughs> State loses it in the championship NIT, and Tech and UNC both lose tomorrow. Yeah, like, and that's the thing on the NIT selection show. They started uh, talking about how in, two of the four guys were saying NC State might be a favorite to win the NIT. I'm like, don't put expectations on us in the NIT. <laughs> I was like, what I like to see is win it, sure, but one, it's not going to mean much, and two, don't start putting expectations on us. I want to see you win it so that every time I come down to Raleigh, I see the banner hanging when we go. <laughs> right up there in PNC. Anyways, next topic. Um, <laughs> moving into the weekend look ahead. Uh, <laughs> what do you guys have going on? Watching the tournament. Yeah. Watching golf and NASCAR. State parks that we can walk around. Where's uh, where's NASCAR at this weekend? Atlanta. Um, because I stupidly uh, skipped ahead, and so I gave a whole little thing last week about Atlanta. They should repave the track or not repave the track. That's the big thing. If you missed last week's podcast, you can go back and listen to it. <laughs> it's at Atlanta this week. They raced at <laughs> Las Vegas. Or uh, sorry, man, I'm all out of sorts. They raced at Phoenix last weekend, and it was a great race. It, re- it really was. The top six drivers uh, finished. Top six, imagine that. It's it was the championship track last year. So uh it's almost like the good cars actually had notes on what they were supposed to do to be good. <laughs> so do you guys want to do the do you guys want to do the ACC roundup real quick? You want to knock that out? Yeah, yeah I think that'd be a good idea. 
All right. So at the beginning of our podcast, um, well, at the beginning of basketball for our podcast, we kind of had some bets and different things like that. We kind of picked who we thought was going to work out in the ACC. We didn't want to completely ignore that. So um, we'll run through it quickly. We picked UVA, Florida State, Duke, and North Carolina as the top four teams. So we definitely got UVA and Florida State right. They finished one and two. Um, we definitely knew that those were going to be two good teams. We certainly overvalued Duke, all of us. Um, for whatever it's worth, we picked them third. They finished 10th. Um, we undervalued Virginia Tech uh, by six spots. Um, they're, they finished third, and we picked them ninth. I still and think they- Virginia Tech is fake news. <laughs> they canceled half of their ACC se- season, played 12 games. Sorry, Morgan, but I'm going on my rant here. They played 12 games, canceled almost all of their games against solid to good teams, and missed a lot of their road games. That's a fake news three seed. I guess that NC State played them their last game and won. They would have beat a ranked team and add that to their resume and gotten into the tournament. Ooh. But guess what? As it was for this season, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a fair evaluation of our podcast. We overvalued Duke, undervalued Virginia Tech, and it's fair to point out that we undervalued Clemson, who finished fifth, but we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to point out two things, though. I – uh, had Florida State right on the money at being the second best team in the conference. Um, I, you, we can go back to the podcast if we need to reach the audio for that one. And also, I picked Georgia Tech as the dark horse, and they are the ACC champion. So I have to pat myself on the back a little bit for being able to pick them as a team to watch. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, Asterix champion, but yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, they didn't have to play one or two of their games, but you know, whatever. <laughs> that shouldn't even count. <laughs> yeah, talk about a cakewalk. Yeah. So Virginia Tech doesn't play their games and they're bad, but Georgia Tech plays their games and you pat yourself on the back. Got it. <laughs> Morgan gets a shout out. He picked Virginia Tech over the other football schools and they finished ahead of Clemson and Notre Dame. And we also had not really a bet between the DeBerrys about which of their schools would finish or do better. And state actually finished ahead of Duke. So go pack. For whatever it's worth. Yeah. State. State is exactly who we thought they were um, with all the media picks. We finished right around the area that they were picked to finish. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad for everyone next year. Coach K Duke is probably just going to pull like a Bill Belichick and the Patriots and just demolish everybody. Find everyone we'll with see. money. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's, it's, it's part who leaves and part, you know, what, how they round out the class. They already have a couple top 10 players for next year coming in. So however they round out that class, we'll see. But we'll talk about that next year on the preview. So that's our ACC roundup. We kept it brief because, to be quite honest, the season wasn't that memorable. (laughs) All right, so let's move into the NCAA tournament for a minute. So what we ended up doing, we separated each uh, region amongst the four of us. Four regions, four of us. Just made sense. We kind of want to give our thoughts on the, the highlights of who we expect to come out and, uh, you know, what we what we kind of think maybe be some upset alerts. So I'm going to throw it over to, uh, I guess I'll throw it to Morgan in the South first. All right. Well, I'll go with my first upset in that, that area. I'm going to say Colgate's going to upset Arkansas, but I think uh, quite a few people are picking that one. I know they've been talking about it online a lot, about how they expect Colgate to do it. Um, I got surprised. You know, I got Tech going all the way. Far and lose, 
No, losing to <laughs> Baylor. I got them losing to Baylor. But he's on the record. All the way. You think Carolina can't beat Baylor? That's obvious. All right. Next. Well, I got Car- I got Carolina beat Wisconsin. I was nice to you. Yeah. I pretty much you know, with all the other brack all the other brackets I gave all the one seeds one win and went from there. But I don't really have let me look at this real quick. Did Brody did Brody have any uh I couldn't, to, to couldn't get him into it. He was he was miserable. Miserable and reckless. He was throwing <laughs> stuff all over the place. Yeah. And, I mean it's most of my picks are, are you know the, the higher seeds winning. Shocker. I mean it First cut and drive. I just got Virginia Tech beating Ohio State when they faced them. That was probably next big, big upset in that. A record. A record, which Ohio State will probably demolish them. But God willing, hopefully it ruins your weekend. That's <laughs> <laughs> such kind words. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just in the burn it down mode. Burn it all down. Screw it. I'll, I'll, I'll file that one away for, uh, for not going to care. And, <laughs> but yeah, that's it for me. I got Baylor winning, winning that, winning the South. Shot and shocker. All right. So see, seeing as you say you want to burn it down and you do not care, Dustin, why don't you give us your picks coming out of the West? <laughs> I actually let Emmy pick several games in the West. Um, and no surprise there. She's very advanced, so she had great picks. Um, started out with the UVA-Ohio game. Did that one for Morgan because I was like, hey, maybe she'll pick the upset. No can do. She wanted the Cavaliers. Uh, basically, just for background, I put two cups in front of her, different colors. We used different colors and sizes the whole time. We said, this is this team, that's that team, and we let her pick. And so these are these are her choices. Um, we picked the Oregon VCU matchup. I think that's the seven ten. Um, she picked Oregon. She wanted the higher seed on that one. Yeah. I know that makes the the sort of kind of Ducks fan of the podcast a little bit happy. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Bill Walton in the Conference of Champions. Um, we picked the Oklahoma Missouri game. She went with Missouri. Sorry, Kevin Miller. Um, you know, another loss for the Big 12 hanging out there because clearly Emmy's going to get that right. Um, and the last one that we picked in the region, I just – I want to see what happened because, you know, Morgan was over here talking about the one sixteen, and I was thinking about the year UVA was the only team ever to lose that game. And so we did the Gonzaga versus whoever they end up playing, Norfolk State or at. She picked Gonzaga. So, again – very smart girl. She uh, so basically went with all the higher seeds, so maybe she's a little bit like Jay Billis in that regard. But <laughs> I don't know. And we did a bonus pick. We did the Carolina game. She picked Wisconsin, so she definitely is a very smart girl. <laughs> <laughs> all of my extended family in Wisconsin will be happy with her. <laughs> <laughs> so my analysis of the West region is all through Emmy's choices. When, so I'll be cheering for those teams to at least get their one win so that she's right and I can brag about it next week. 
All right. So now that we're done <laughs> with Emmy's picks from the West, let's throw it out to the Midwest with Ryan. <laughs> so I no longer have a dog and I don't have any children. So I went to the least knowledgeable source I could for the Midwest, which was my wife. <laughs> now, to be fair, she watches basketball when I watch it, but at the same time, we haven't watched a lot of college basketball outside of the ACC. So the ones that stood out to me were Loyola Chicago. Um, and the reason they're the eight, they're the eight seed. And the reason why uh, that game stood out to me is because they're playing the nine seed, which is our, our aforementioned asterisk champion of the ACC uh, pesky Georgia tech uh, team. And it's Loyola Chicago is pretty cool. They have a sister Jean um, who, who is a nun. She's 101 years old. Um, for those that don't know, I keep saying that, but uh, Loyola Chicago did a Final Four run in 2018, and this nun went with them all the way and was like their biggest fan. It was a really good feel-good story. So um, asked her what she thought. She picked Loyola Chicago over Georgia Tech. I agree. I'm really looking forward to this team. I really want them to beat the one seed in that bracket too. I actually have that in my bracket for work. So um, also Chicago is wonderful. So um, I'm hoping that I can come on here next week and say Loyola Chicago beat Georgia Tech and, and beat the one seed. Um, and then the other one that we looked at was uh, the Oklahoma State versus Liberty game. Uh, Oklahoma State has pretty much the number one player in the NBA draft. He's probably the most athletic guy in Cade Cunningham. So I thought that it would be very much like Liberty to just ruin everything. You've heard all about Liberty ruining everything on our podcast throughout the year. So nothing like the 13 seed Liberty to come out and beat the number four seed Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, shout out to Oklahoma State for giving me my, one of my favorites, Marcus Smart. So yeah, my wife picked Liberty. So um, uh, I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong about that. And then, uh, uh, come on, Rutgers, you're playing Clemson. Come on. Like, she picked Rutgers. So, um, I'm sorry for the Clemson fans out there. I will be cheering against this actively. But um, Rutgers, Rutgers was the other upset. So, we have Loyola beating Georgia Tech. We have Liberty somehow beating the number one player in the country in Oklahoma State. And we have Rutgers somehow beating Clemson. Sorry, uh, America. I know what you're doing on noon on Saturdays come college football season. Apologizing to Clemson. <laughs> oh, <watch> Rutgers. <laughs> Both. Both. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're all cheering for UNCW's own Brad Brownell. In that oh, yeah. One. Absolutely. And, and uh, Sister Jean. I, that was such a great story. I'm, it was. I, I'd love to see them make another run. That'd be incredible. I'm glad you brought that up. Absolutely. They can definitely do it in that, in that section. At the cards, yeah. So Logan, that leaves you. Yeah, so let's throw it out back east. Let's go with the obvious things, the people that are the favorites. I think it's obviously Michigan. They've played pretty well this year, um, as much as I hate to say that about a Big Ten team. Florida State, I think, is another one to watch. They're a... Um, Powers of Rutgers. <laughs> yeah. Florida State's a, a very long athletic uh, ball club that is... Uh, they're a tough out, regardless of who you are. Alabama, I mean, they what in the world... When did they get good in basketball? But they've had a heck of a year this year. It's, it's enough that they win a national championship every other year in football. We can't give them basketball, too. <laughs> they actually um, had a good team last yes, year, if I remember correctly. Of a, <laughs> so, uh, them and redistribute their scholarships to somewhere else so that we can't. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I, I also would support that move because they're so good in football and we're so bad in football that it only balances out. True enough. I like that plan. We should 
see if we can get some grassroots support behind it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I do feel like I need to mention um, that Florida State is playing UNC Greensboro. They're a school from North Carolina, also coached by a former Tar Heel in West Miller. Nobody gave a shit about that guy when he was five foot eight, shooting threes like a girl from the outside. Uh, anyways, back then with his set shot, he got six inches off the ground, maybe on his jump shot. Nobody gave a shit about him back then. We don't give a shit about him now. Let's go Seminoles, <laughs> kick him out, kick his ass out of the tournament. <laughs> um, that's probably not what Ryan was thinking. I was going with my talking points on UNCG, uh, UNCG, but had to. Uh, a team to watch as much as it begrudges me to say this. Because they're they're basically the uh, the turncoat that used to be in the ACC, but I think Maryland's a team to watch. Maryland played pretty well in the Big Ten tournament. They've had some big time wins this year, so you got to give them their due on that. I think they get past Connecticut, um, and I think they give Alabama a run for their money. I don't really know the outcome of that one, but Maryland is a team to watch. My pick coming out of the East, though, I'm being a homer, sticking with the uh, free shoes. You as Morgan used to say during football season, sticking with the ACC, Florida State's coming out of the East as the four seed. Oh. And I go. I'm, I'm cheering. Oh. I'm cheering for the Seminoles, by the way, also. And my wife in her work bracket has them going all the way, just like no. you pick Logan. Can I go on record and say that I, I think UNC, Greensboro, and West Miller will beat Florida State, and therefore I picked Michigan to come out of that. Or sorry, Alabama to come out of that bracket. I was going to cede you a, a little bit of my time to come to the defense of Wes Miller if you so choose. I see. I cede the rest of my time to the uh, congressman from, from Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I'll say about Wes Miller is this. I have a personal story that, uh, with Wes Miller. Wes Miller one time was walking by. He was down at uh, Jerry Allen's in Wilmington. And Morgan used to live down at Jerry Allen's. And late one night, he was walking by with Marcus Ginyard, who is a great defensive player. And no one should say anything about Marcus Ginyard. We can argue about Wes Miller and some of the other guys. And we stopped him and we said, hey, buddy, there's a DUI checkpoint up there. Maybe you want to just stop here for a little bit and have some beers. So we hung out with him sitting on a fence talking basketball with Wes Miller and Marcus Ginyard. That's my only comment about Wes Miller. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Ginyard, the... Uh a long line in the history of shooting guards at Carolina who can't shoot. So they get labeled a defensive stopper. How dare you? He's from Washington. <laughs> <ABC>. <laughs> All right. So I think that wraps up our tournament talk because the tournament is boring this year and no one really cares. <laughs> that was some good commentary. <laughs> <laughs> you will not find that commentary anywhere else on ESPN. I can guarantee you. Oh, we're, hey, we're, we're the alternative media source here. <laughs> definitely will be getting invited to talk at any NCAA tournaments in the future. <laughs> uh, we will when all of Emmy's picks are right. Yeah, right. Emmy's going to be thicker. <laughs> all right, let's jump in. We've been rambling a bit. Southern 64. Uh, we're at our Sweet 16. So what we're doing is, uh, incidentally, the tournament's going to be at the Sweet 16 by the end of this weekend. So let's break this down. Let's do, uh, we've got our four seeds that came out of the cities and experiences region. And then we've got our four seeds that came out of the food region. So we'll do both of those here tonight for you. So let's dive in. Cities and experiences, eight seed coming out of the bracket is the city of Charleston facing the number five seed tailgating. I'm going to go on record here and say that tailgating is a win for me. I think I believe I said this last time that tailgating was going to be the win in the future for me. It's got to be tailgating for me. I'll keep it brief. We did a whole episode on Charleston. I think people know how much I love it. Um, and there multiple times, but tailgating is just 
it just it it is literally the thing I enjoy the most, and it is the most southern thing. I feel, one of the most southern things I feel like you can do. Uh, Morgan, what do you think? I had to think long and hard about this one because I love Charleston's awesome. Um, but you know, tailgating. I love going to tailgates, even if the game you're at is crap. Um, you're there for a good crowd, and you're mingling with you know the, the rest of the people there. Depending on which school you're at, there can be some of the nicest people you meet, and they can also be some of the rudest people you meet. Um, but tailgating is, is, is I'm the same tailgating for me when it comes down between these two. I just I love a good tailgate. Cool. Two for tailgating. Dustin, thoughts? Charleston or tailgating? We all know I love Charleston. It was where we did our my bachelor trip and we all went. Um, incredible city. But I also love tailgating. Like, you know, it's it's not that this was actually a pretty tough choice. Mm-hmm. So here's how I decided to make the decision. Charleston for me is a solid eight hour drive away. A tailgate, on the other hand, could be almost anywhere. I could even I it could be in College Park, it could be in Raleigh, it could be in Blacksburg, it could be all sorts of places that are closer. Could be uh, probably just not Durham. Yeah. That's the one place it will not be is in Durham. <laughs> but you can tailgate near about anywhere, and for that reason, I'm going with tailgate because it's a great, it's one of the best parts of the modern sports experience. It's spending time before and after the game in the parking lot with people you care about, hanging out. I love Charleston. Sorry, Charleston, but tailgating for me. And Dustin, uh, you got to add in, depending on where you're at, it could also be the middle of the game too. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Carol, if you're in Chapel Hill, it's during the entire game. The Annapolis, if you guys ever come to a Navy game, they do let you leave and reload at uh, halftime and come back in. Just pointing it out. Yeah, yeah, they do that at Carter Family also. Nice. So, Logan, what do you think? Tailgating or Charleston? Yeah, so there's a local IPA that's brewed in Raleigh um, that they serve actually at the Beach Music Festivals on Thursdays during the summer. It's called Seven Saturdays. Seven Saturdays representing the seven football games a year that everyone gets to enjoy. And what do you do before a football game? You tailgate. I like Charleston. had a great time there, but my favorite time of the year is the seven Saturdays I get to spend in the uh, the parking lots outside of Carter-Finley, getting ready to be prepared to have my rib hard, uh, my heart ripped out uh, for the next three hours by NC State, tailgating all the way. All right. That's a that's – a, 4-0 win for tailgating then. So the next one, we've got uh, the three-seed Duke Carolina basketball, and we have the seven-seed Myrtle Beach. This is what happens in the Sweet 16. There's some close matchups. So let's go to Dustin first. Dustin, three-seed Duke Carolina, seven-seed Myrtle Beach. Decide between your children. Yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, South Carolina – Right back in it. This they had Charleston and Myrtle Beach advancing all the way in this one. Look, two of my loves: Duke Carolina basketball and Myrtle Beach, and they've all both been a part of my life almost the same amount of time. Not quite. Uh, Duke Carolina has been a bigger part or longer term part of my life. Love Myrtle Beach. Love hanging out down there and doing it. I've actually spent way more time being in Myrtle Beach than I have watching Duke Carolina basketball because. Basketball games are only two hours. 
but it's got to be New Carolina. It's there's just as much as I would love to try to convince myself, I did. I really try to talk myself in that. Well, Myrtle Beach has this, and they have that. No, it's New Carolina basketball. It's the most important two games, sometimes three, when it's in the ACC tournament. You get to watch a year. It's when you live in the state. It's one of the most annoying or joyful experiences of your life, depending on the outcome of the game, because you get to give each other hell. I mean, it's, and, and growing up, that was what it was all about. When we were in school, we were all over one another all the time about that game year round. It's got to be that over Myrtle Beach. Morgan, thoughts? Uh, Wichita State just lost. But, uh... Damn. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell we're recording this live on a Thursday. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I'm giving you updates as we're no, talking. No, I love it. I love it. Duke, Carolina, or Myrtle Beach? You're watching a basketball game. You're not in Myrtle Beach, so. <laughs> yeah, no. Duke, Carolina is, is amazing. I mean, I remember when I lived on the beach, we used to go down to Jerry Allen's Duke, Carolina games and uh, post up there. I mean, I don't even care about either one of the teams, but, you know, when you're at the bar for those games, there. It's an amazing thing to see. But uh, I got to go to Myrtle Beach. I mean, I've been going to Myrtle Beach since I was you know, able to crawl, probably. And it's just, that's southern to me. That's my childhood right there. So I got to go to Myrtle Beach. All right. Uh, <laughs> now I double hope your team loses. I purposely held out on this. Till the end. So, Logan, I'm intrigued. Myrtle Beach or Duke Carolina basketball, the NC State fan? Yeah, so if you had asked me this as recently as two years ago, it would have been open and shut case. But I've got to be a little bit, we're going to have honesty hour for a couple minutes here on Miserable and Reckless. That's true. I've drifted since 2012 a little bit more every year away from Duke. I used to, my, if you go to my childhood bedroom, it's Duke stuff everywhere. Duke wallpaper, Duke uh, basketball flag. Everything. I've got signed Kyle Singler, Nolan Smith, 2010 uh, National Championship Sports Illustrated framed. I, I still have an affinity for the Blue Devils. But over the last couple of years, like this year in particular, I didn't even watch the first Duke Carolina game. I forgot that it was on. This year, I watched like half of, of the second game, and that wasn't that interesting because of how it went. So for me currently, where I'm sitting in, in 2021, it's probably Myrtle Beach. I mean, I love the beach. I love Duke Carolina basketball. But at this point, I care a little bit more about the beach than I do watching Duke and Carolina. And for that pick, I hope NC State wins the NIT. That makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so not going to ever turn big, down winning anything. <laughs> that big NIT banner hanging. <laughs> I do think that it's a shame we didn't talk about women's basketball. Because NC State, first number one seed, number three team in the country, most wins ever, top three teams this year. Book it, NC State to the Final Four on women's. I tried to bring up field hockey, and I was next top. Next, top. next topic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when your school's good at something and you want to bring it up in an alternative sport, apparently it's not allowed. But <laughs> we can break down men's swimming and diving if you want to, or women's Next diving. topic. Exactly. Morgan and I can talk about men's wrestling. There you go. Next topic. <laughs> we watch a lot more sports on the ACC network than you think we do, people. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll close this one out briefly. Duke Carolina basketball for me, period. Um, this is a, uh, this is an easy one for me. Um, I went to school in Wilmington. Uh, I didn't go to school in Myrtle beach. Um, 
I didn't grow up going to Myrtle Beach. I grew up going to Hoboth and Bethany Beach. And uh, this is Duke Carolina for me. It's been in my life for a very long time. It's Duke Carolina in football I care about. Duke Carolina in basketball I care about. Duke Carolina in women's lacrosse I care about. So we're specifically talking about the experience of going to Duke Carolina basketball game. I've had some really good experiences. Me and Dustin have had a, a streak going for a while. Incidentally, I'd like to point out Dustin's wearing a Duke pullover and he has a background of Wilmington, not a background of Myrtle Beach on his Zoom. So I think we know where he stands. I think you know where I stand. I'm literally wearing a Carolina hoodie. And uh, later on in the podcast, I think you'll find out how much I care about Carolina basketball. So that's a tie. We'll, I guess, take it to Facebook and we'll go from there. All right, let's go into food. Number one seed, sweet tea. Number five seed, mac and cheese. I'm just going to go on record. My wife is a uh, anti-cheese. She's anti-dairy. And actually, I shouldn't say it that way. She's whole food plant-based. So the one thing uh, that I have missed when she's cooking this way more than anything else is cheese. I'm going to go on record and say that mac and cheese is my vote here. I know it's not a popular vote, especially going up against sweet tea. So uh, we'll see if I'm wrong. Morgan, what do you think? Sweet tea, mac and cheese? Mac and cheese. Wow. Okay. I love mac and cheese. Didn't expect that. I could eat that. I could eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you can add all kinds of stuff to it. It's amazing. Fair enough. Logan, mac and cheese, sweet tea. Once again, <clears throat> ask me a few years ago, it would have been a different answer. But now I don't even drink fully sweet tea anymore. I drink it half and half just because I've cut back on my sugar. Sweet tea is a little too sweet for me these days, but I still chow down on some mac and cheese. I have three boxes of mac and cheese here in the house anytime ready, anytime I want it. I don't have hardly anything to make sweet tea. Mac and cheese for me. Dustin, it's kind of a done deal at this point, but do you want to? You want to give us your opinion? This one's so easy, and y'all are so wrong. Mac and cheese is such an overrated food. It's good. It's not great. It's often done bad. Um, when it's really good, yeah, it's really good. But sweet tea is very consistent wherever you get it or all across the South, whether it's at McDonald's or some local barbecue place. It's always good. It's sweet tea. Y'all are so terribly wrong with your fake news, wrong mac and cheese opinions. I want to recount. Well, that's that's uh, burn it down to Barry's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> a simple no would have done. But... <laughs> <laughs> so to close it out, this is a tough one too. Again, this is what happens in the Sweet 16. We've got the number six seed barbecue against the number two seed fried chicken. Good luck, buddies. Uh, who wants to take this one on first? <laughs> Hell, bring it on. I'll do it. Go ahead. This, this one's also incredibly easy. Fried chicken is the greatest food on the entire planet. There is nothing as good as fried chicken, especially when my grandmother makes it. So I love barbecue. It's way up on the top of the list of good food, but way higher, all alone sitting at the top of the pinnacle is fried chicken. So easy one. This wasn't even a second thought in my opinion. Logan, same grandmother. Thoughts? Yeah, so for the first time on this episode of Miserable and Reckless, Dustin and I are in 100% agreement. It's fried chicken. I eat fried chicken all the time. I eat it from Bojangles. I eat it from Chick-fil-A. I eat it from Smithfields. And you can't, always, you can't even touch my grandma's fried chicken. So I love barbecue. I consider myself a barbecue connoisseur of Eastern North Carolina-style barbecue based with vinegar. But it's fried chicken. Now, when your grandma made it, would she only make it on Sunday afternoons? 
or would she make it any time during the year? Mostly holidays. Yeah. Just, there seems to be a thing about fried chicken only on Sunday afternoons. So Our great-grandmother only made it on Sundays, mm-hmm. and she made it primarily for her large herd of dogs that she had. Because by the time she was in up in years, it was her and her several dogs that lived together. And she would make a whole big batch of fried chicken every Sunday and mostly to feed her dogs the fried chicken. But if you went over to her house, you could get the fried chicken. Nice. So, yeah. So there's a little bit of that in the family background. <laughs> Morgan, thoughts? Fried chicken barbecue. I uh, mean, like everyone else said, I love barbecue. But uh, fried chicken for me. And guess what? You can also put that with your mac and cheese. <laughs> but yeah, I love some good fried chicken. All right. Well, that makes it official then. Um, there's nothing I can say, really. Uh, we, we, we've spoken at length about barbecue on this podcast, so many different kinds. I do love me some burn ends from uh, Kansas City, but this is a southern podcast. We're talking about eastern North Carolina barbecue. It is really damn good. It is really damn good. Can't stress that enough. But fried chicken is excellent. It's it's it really is good. You can do so many different things with it. There's a reason why it's a two seed. Don't have to say too much more about that right now. This is a sweet sixteen. Some right now. <laughs> so we've got tailgating, Duke Carolina basketball, mac and cheese, and fried chicken. Moving on. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So moving into the next topic. We got to talking on the group chat, um, as we often do when we're trying to brainstorm ideas for what to do on Miserable and Reckless. And we were talking about the idea of your personal Mount Rushmore of athletes. We kind of got to bounce it around what we meant by that. We ended up settling on this personal choice for all time athlete, whether that's, you know, uh, People that just made a big impact on you could be longevity of their career, whatever your criteria may be. Somebody that maybe went to your school and had such a big impact. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to throw it over to Dustin, I guess, to start it off with who are your Mount Rushmore of athletes? All right. Uh, You want all four? You want me to just kind of, are we going to kick it around? I think that, what do you think? Maybe doing one at a time or do all four? What do you guys think? I think we should do all four. All four? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so happy to do that. So I, this is something I had to think about once we got to talking about it, um, because my favorite thing to watch is Duke basketball, and then all the other sports are very, very, very secondary to that. So I really, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want to necessarily default to that. So I got to thinking about all right, who are the people who had the impact on me? And like, you know, like we, we joke about on the Southern 64 and we joke about on other topics that we do on this podcast. Oh, it's all personal bias. No, no you know, objectivity here. And that's 100% what mine is. So the first one is the most obvious one that you'll ever be able to imagine is granule. There is no athlete that I've ever been a fan of that is higher on my list than Grant Hill. Um, you know, you can't argue with what he did. He played three national championships. He was defensive player of the year, won a bunch of ACC titles and all kinds of other accolades. Um, the guy is just incredible. I remember reading his book when I was a kid. He had a book called Change the Game um, that had just an impact on me. And funny enough, where he went to high school is where my wife went to high school. 
And I actually just a couple of years ago went and saw his jersey get retired at South Lakes High School in Ruston. Um, and, you know, fun fact, his number in high school was 32. And so that's what's uh, retired at South Lakes High School. But when he got to do, Christian Leitner was wearing that. So he switched 33. So just hands down, my favorite athlete. The guy's got me a signed Duke basketball for uh, signed by Grand Hill. Um, for my Grinsman gift, which is probably displayed on my like case of sports memorabilia. It's just, just can't say enough good stuff about the guy. Like I get it except for one thing. I did want to bring this story up. Me and my best friend in, in growing all my growing up years through high school, we even keep up to this day. We're both Duke basketball fans. When Grant graduated and went to the Pistons, we both wrote letters to the Pistons, like to Grand Hill. My buddy got a response, and I never got a letter. So, Grant, if you're out there listening, I'm, ex- I'm still waiting on that response. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, that aside, he's still my hands-down favorite of all time. Um, the others are not all Duke-related. Uh, Kyrie Jr. Is on my list. Um, I love Ripken. Just over the years, Logan and I's dad was an Orioles fan. Came to a bunch of game in the eighty games in the eighties. We love, you know, like my dad has the the nineteen what eighty two team pack that has his rookie card where it's him of like the three. It's the three players. It's not the individual card because he was a rookie. Um, we grew up, you know hearing about the Orioles we needed to watch them because back then they weren't on television. It was the Atlanta Braves and we were, we watched the Atlanta Braves all through the nineties. But one of my most sharp memories was watching him break Lou Gehrig's record. You know, I remember when they hit, when on the warehouse, they had 2130. <clears throat> and I remember the night, the next night when he broke in, it was 2131. He did his lap around the stadium. Um, you know, they stopped a baseball game for what, like 18 minutes or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. It was just a really incredible moment that I've always remembered. And I also read a book that I don't know if he had a hand in, but it was called The Ripken Way. And it was just talking about more about his dad and his growing up years and his dad being a part of the Oriole minor league system and how like they sort of talked this work ethic and right way to play baseball that was a lot of success for the Orioles for a long, long time. Um, so Ripken's on there for me. Um, I would, next one, I would say Shane Battier. I, I, he's not right there with Grant Hill by any means, but he's up there on my list. I told these guys a while back that Pete Dustin was probably like late nineties, early two thousands when Duke was just running the train on Carolina uh, in the Matt Dougherty years. And, uh, and Batty A was, was a part of that, um, at least at, towards the end of his senior year. And, uh, I just, I always liked him because he, I mean, look, he won a national championship. He was three time defensive player of the year, but like he leads the team, the, uh, he has the all time record for charges taken at Duke, which is like a ridiculous stat that they actually keep up with apparently. I just appreciated his like work ethic. I appreciated that he was a guy who stuck around and like helped build that team to become something special. Um, 
especially after the 99 loss, which I know Logan knows the story, but allegedly, you know, they, they never should have lost to that. In 1999 National Championship, Duke was playing UConn, which was a far weaker team. Never should have lost that game. That was a team full of NBA all-stars. They lost one game yeah. all year until the national title game. Right. And the story is that the guy, a bunch of the guys, not all the, not the whole team had gone out the night before and had a few too many drinks and they were hungover at the game and they ended up losing that game. And apparently Battier was pretty pissed about that because he wouldn't win a national championship. So I like to think that helped fuel his fire as so to speak in that push to that 01 championship. Um, so he, he's on there for me and, you know, you can't forget who's your daddy, daddy a, which was screamed over and over again. I still say it in my house all the time. Um, and the last one's probably a little bit of a wild card for y'all, but I'll explain why Charles Barkley. <laughs> I love Charles Barkley. The, the round, the, was it round mound of rebound? Yep. And, uh, Sir Charles, like the nineties were a time of, MJ and the Bulls. Everybody and their brother had Bulls everything on and everything, and I hated it. Michael Jordan went to Carolina. I'm never going to be a Michael Jordan fan. I'm never going to cheer for Michael Jordan or the Bulls. And I just took a stand and was like, nope, nope. I got to find something else to cheer for. So I picked Charles Barkley. And the Suns and the Bulls met in the 93 NBA Finals. Went to six games, and the Bulls ended up winning. But I ended up having like uh, Phoenix Suns apparel when I was a kid because of that. I always played on NBA Jam with uh, Charles Barkley and Dan Marley as my duo. Um, and just always, like, I appreciated Barkley's, like, honesty throughout the years and willingness to kind of speak his mind. And But, but you know, not in a mean way, but just be a an honest broker about what he sees and what he thinks. And He's hilarious, not just in the commercials he does, but on like the, you know, NCAA tournament shows and NBA after shows. So Charles Barkley is up there for me. He's one of my favorite guys. But again, three cap, Grand Hill at the top. Nobody's even close. Yeah, Kyle Rukin Jr., Shane Battier, and Charles Barkley. It's funny you mentioned Barkley because if I'm remembering correctly, um, around 2000 five or six whenever I took your bedroom at our old house I was found a bunch of old stuff in your old closet and it was a notebook from when you were in like sixth grade and you and your friends were playing basketball on the playground and y'all used to like go by the name of an NBA player that was prominent at the time and if I'm remembering correctly I believe you were Charles Barkley oh yeah (laughs) I I don't uh I didn't know that existed but that's awesome but yeah for sure (laughs) I loved uh, I loved Charles Barkley back then, and I 100% went by that as because we actually did we drew up like plays and did yep. all kinds of stuff, um, and we did it as like players. So I was an anti Bulls 1990 person. Charles Barkley was my man, and if you look and if you think through all those four guys, the kind of common theme is from about the early 90s to the early 2000s, they had some impact on me. So it was basically all people from my childhood. No. Kinda, as as Angle, you've said, I think a few weeks ago, it's kind of hard sometimes at 35 to connect with like an 18 or 20 year old and be like, oh, that's my guy. <laughs> well, none of them quit either, right? They're all kind of known for being like just nose to the grindstone dudes. So it's interesting. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, so throw it over to Ryan, your Mount Rushmore of athletes of all time. All right. Originally, I thought this was going to be really easy, and I actually kind of bounced this question off my mom because I wanted to make sure I wasn't forgetting anything, and then I had to think. My mom's a huge sports fan, huge. She's the one that gave me my love for sports, and uh, she kind of gave me a couple ideas and kind of thought them through, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty settled on these, on these four. So as a lifelong, I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. As a lifelong Celtics fan, uh, some people may be surprised lifelong. I had a little um, Larry Bird figure when I was growing up and everything else. A little starting lineup comes with a little card and the little plastic case with the little figurine and everything. It's uh, it's not Marcus Smart, who I shouted out earlier, but man, do I love his heart. It's not Paul Pierce, who stayed with the team for years and years and years and years. It's actually not even a Celtic. Um, it's Vince Carter. And the reason why it's Vince Carter is because uh, I loved, loved, loved him on North Carolina. I was ecstatic to see that he was announcing the game on the Duke Carolina game that we talked about a couple weeks ago. I, I didn't turn the game over. I just wanted to hear Vince speak. Um, anything that he touches, I'm, I'm interested in. I, I don't know if that's fandom or, or <laughs> what, but uh, he has a podcast that was really uh, interesting to listen to that was on the Ringer Network for a while. I haven't kept up with it. I'm not sure if it's still there where he was discussing um, all sorts of things about the NBA and how he had to change his body and how as he was getting older, things changed and he had to switch his game up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, his longevity in the league, uh, he basically went from the most thunderous dunker of all time. I remember a famous uh, interview on Dan Patrick's show where they asked him, uh, Vince, between you and Michael Jordan, who would win in a dunk contest? And without beating one second, he just said, me, tell Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That's how confident he was. But obviously both North Carolina graduates. Um, but uh, Dustin, you're talking about childhood. I mean, that was that was right in that zone for me with that Antoine Jameson team, a team that never won a title for whatever it's worth. They brought that up during the Duke Carolina game. Um, he's clearly going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, for those who don't know, Vince Carter retired at the age of 42, I want to say, about, what, six months ago, three months ago, something like that. So he's been in the league ever since 19... 97 i hope i'm saying that correctly played with some of my favorite carolina players back in the day i don't need to wax too much more poetic about it but i will ask people if you haven't seen this go google vince carter dunking on a french guy in the olympics <laughs> it is the most disrespectful dunk of all time they call it the dunk of death online uh vince carter still feels bad about it to this day but not really um, he literally launches himself directly over a French dude in the Olympics and slams the ball home as hard as po humanly possible while the guy's face is in his, shall we say, nether regions. And then drops down to the ground after swinging over top of him and just screams in the guy's face. And I, if you've ever wanted to see someone's soul just evaporate from their body, that's, that's what happened there. So uh, Vince Carter is my number four. Uh, this may surprise everyone with my NASCAR. Uh, watching, but it, it's it's not Chase Elliott for number three. It's actually different. Good. It's uh, <laughs> it's Rory McIlroy, and the reason why uh, Rory is my favorite is because there's a number of different reasons here. Um, growing up, I mentioned that I went to Bethany Beach. My grandparents lived at Bethany Beach. They were super into golf. We couldn't have a childhood uh, vacation to the beach without golf being on in the background. It was never something I paid attention to, but it was always something that was just a part of my grandma, just like fresh fruit from the fruit stand and going to the beach and golf. It was just, you know, it's just what it was. <clears throat> then when I got older, 
um, I was dating a girl whose parents lived on Pinehurst and they loved golf. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, like this has been so part of my life for so long. I made a conscious decision that like, I'm just going to pick a guy because it seems like I can't get away from this sport. So like every time we go visit them, you know, who are you cheering for? And I just, who's the youngest guy that hasn't won? Cause this is right around the time I was cheering for the Red Sox and they hadn't won anything yet either. And they, uh, Oh, Rory McIlroy. So I said, all right, that's my guy. But it's been interesting as it's gone along. I've ended up really falling in love with the game over the past 10 to 15 years. Um, I don't watch every weekend, but when I do watch, I make sure that, uh, for example, Roy's not playing this weekend. I probably won't watch, but, um, I ended up working at a country club for a while because I love the environment. Um, I love Roy for his honesty, his openness. I love that he's incredibly hard on himself and incredibly competitive. Um, he's suffered a ton of public humility. Um, he had a really public breakup and he was class all the way through, um, that experience. He was, he was dating a famous tennis player. Um, he made a very famous statement where he said, like, there's fault on both sides. I thought that was really honorable of him to say that. Um, I think that it's great that he's willing to take advice from characters that people may not have expected him to. Um, Faraday, uh, the commentator, is also from Northern Ireland, where he's from, and basically uh, couldn't be on, in theory, further opposite sides of the thing. Faraday's kind of known for being a bit of an alcoholic back in the day. He's a bit of a of a, of a close horse and very vain at times and, and wears that on his sleeve. And, and Roy is pretty much the exact opposite, but uh, they become really good friends. He's taken uh, and become very good friends with Tiger Woods. Um, and basically he's become the voice uh, and, and the soul of the game at this point. And it's been really fun for me to watch him grow up and kind of cheer for him along the way. He even brought golf back after the pandemic. So uh, long story short, if golf is on and he's even playing, I'm watching and I'm cheering for him and, and he definitely belongs in my Mount Rushmore. Uh, working my way up, this one will be very brief, but it's very easy. It's not Ken Griffey Jr. And it's not Manny Ramirez. It's David Ortiz. It's Big Poppy. I'm wearing a Red Sox hat as I'm saying this. I'm sitting in my room with my 04 Red Sox, uh, uh, whatever. I don't know what it's called. Lithograph. I don't think it's a lithograph. It's a panoramic poster that is one of my treasured possessions. I've got my hat I was wearing in 04 when the Red Sox won. Um, I watched him retire in a hotel and, and cried in all seriousness. And uh, um, me and Morgan and a buddy of ours named Leon uh, made a, I'll call it a pilgrimage to Boston for his last regular season game. They trotted out the 2004, 2007, and 2013 World Series champion teams on the field. We were there to see all of them on the field they dropped down a huge dominican republic flag over the green monster um they had pedro give a speech uh we actually tried to fanboy our way up to where we saw some of the teams were hanging out and then we felt a little weird about it because there's a bunch of eight-year-old kids that were trying to get autographs <laughs> and we we didn't we kind of stood out like sore thumbs um he's uh He's maybe not hate A-Rod after his career is over, which is pretty tough to do um, when they're doing the pregame together for the World Series. He totally adds to my experience of baseball. Um, his speech after the bombing, he wore the number 34, uh, which was which was my number at times. It's also my brother number, brother's number at times uh, playing baseball. So I don't think I have to wax too poetic about this. If, if you don't like Big Poppy, I mean, come on. The 4 Red Sox winning is probably the single most important sports memory of my entire life, unless Carolina win, Carolina football wins a national championship. It'll get uh, quickly outplaced. So I guess that'll remain your favorite sports memory. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads me to my number one. 
And my number one love in all of life, besides my wife, is college football. So it has to be a college football athlete. I know, Morgan, this comes as a surprise. It's not punch him in the mouth, Rodney Harrison. It's not. It's not a Patriot. It's actually the guy who super um, energized my love for college football, and that is Timothy Richard Tebow. He is at the top of my Mount Rushmore. Um, I have so many different places that I was that I can remember to this day where I was. I was at the hotel when he got drafted in the NFL, and I stayed late to watch the draft. Um, I can remember being on Brickle and watching Florida play Tennessee. Brickle is a street in Wilmington. We used to have these big keg parties there. And the guy that owned the house was a Tennessee fan. And he said, you can cheer for Tebow, but you have to wear a Tennessee jersey or a Tennessee hoodie while you're doing it. And I said, fair, deal. <laughs> this is back in 05. We were all in college together and to set the scene. And so I'm cheering for the volunteers and singing the fight song every time they score. But as soon as Tebow got near the, the, the goal line, he would just go stand outside. I can't watch. I can't watch because he knew it was coming. He's going to run it in. Man has two national championships in a Heisman, or maybe I got that backwards. Uh, he gave the famous speech where he said that they weren't going to lose again and then literally willed his team to all the way through a season. Um, I cried when he cried when they lost to Bama. I can remember where I was. I was sitting out of a friend's basement downstairs, and everybody was just staring at me like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, the man on TV is crying. I'm, I'm going to cry too. This means easily as much to me as it does to him. Uh, I was at work, um, working at J. Crew. We had to do inventory one night when the Broncos beat the Steelers. You can, you can be sure I was listening to that on the radio. I couldn't believe that I missed that playoff game. Um, the Tebowing, the, uh, our friend Ryan got married. And the next day um, was when the Patriots played the Broncos in the, uh, in the playoffs. So I went to a bar down in Arlington. I, I lived in Wilmington at the time. I came up with my girlfriend at the time. And we, we went to go to a bar in Arlington just so I could watch the game before we drove back. The Patriots did well now. Um, now he's on college football intro on Saturday mornings with Marty and McGee, or sorry, with, with, with Marty and the gang. I mean, he's continued to just be a part of my life uh, continuously. He even played for the Patriots for a while. Um, obviously, people like to make fun of him. I take it personally when they do. And then the other thing is uh, his foundation, um, Tim Tebow Foundation, named after himself, but the work that they do in the world, um, for whatever it's worth, not to toot my own horn, but I really believe in what they do. If you guys ever want to Google it and look it up. Um, they're really helping out other people. I've helped support his foundation for a while. I appreciate the fact that he's not timid about his faith at all. He's been very outspoken about it. And that's something that's super important to me, although I don't always model very well, including on this podcast. And uh, he's even written a couple of books that have been really helpful to me. Um, one of the books that he wrote was called Shaken. And that was really a book that helped my family and myself through the pandemic and some trials that we had uh, with medical issues. So for me, it's Tim Tebow very much um, on my Mount Rushmore with Big Poppy, Rory McIlroy, and Vince Carter. That's a pretty solid, uh, solid Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I don't know how anyone can not love Tim Tebow, but uh, throw it over to Morgan. Mount Rushmore. I had a hard time with this one. Um, at first, I thought just a Mount Rushmore of sports, and then when we decided it was going to be athletes, I had to scratch two of the names off completely, completely. We're more known for being coaches than, than athletes. Um, my first one's going to be, though, uh, Michael Vick. Um, the man put, besides B, Coach Beamer, man put Virginia Tech on the map. Undefeated season, went to a national championship, ended up losing to Free Shoes University. 
uh, obviously he was a number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And then from there, just his life went crazy and out of control. And But before that, I mean, he, he, the things he did for Virginia Tech when he was there was amazing. It was just amazing to watch. I'm keeping brief with my picks there. Um, next one is uh, some, a few of these are guys that I probably didn't even get to watch that much because I was too young, but uh, they're just athletes that I think of that are pretty amazing. One guy is uh, Joe Jacoby, the mm. offensive lineman for the, uh, the Redskins. He's, in my opinion, he's underrated. He played every single position on the line except center. Three, played in four Super Bowls, won three of them. He was the lead blocker for John Riggins' touchdown run against the Dolphins, which helped them win that game. His jersey was 66. His nickname was Route 66. All the running backs, <laughs> all the running backs went through him. This man also lined up against some of the greatest defensive players the sports ever seen. You're talking about LT. Reggie, Reggie White, Randy White for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, at their time and their prime, you're talking about three of the toughest guys to block. And this man took care of business every Sunday against those guys. Not in the Hall of Fame, though. Shocking. It's, it's just a travesty why he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't get it. His stats speak for itself. Uh, next guy is going to be another Redskins player. Uh, Daryl Green, favorite player to watch. You talk about the fastest man in the NFL. He was the fastest man on his 40th birthday. I think it was two, 2002, 2003. They clocked him. He was still running at, I think, a 4 3 8. That was, his, that was his claim. Fastest yeah. man. Hell, he could probably still outrun most of the guys in the league right now. But, uh, you talk about another gifted athlete. He was five foot nine coming out of Texas A&M. And at that time, and when he came to the NFL, there's what Eric yet the running backs, Eric Dickerson, Tony Dorsett, nobody could chase them down when they got the ball running. Daryl Green was the only guy who could chase them down and tackle them. He also had one of the key, uh, key defensive pass blocks against the, I want to say it was the Minnesota Vikings and the, 87 uh, playoffs and the key stop right there helped help them go off to the Super Bowl. So Daryl Green's my next guy. And final guy is going to be uh, Angle's going to give me crap for this one. He's going to pick on me. Uh, Jason Veritek. Hey. hey Loved him from guy, the beginning. You talk about a guy. He played in the Little League World Series, College World Series. Yep. And played in three, uh, one, three World Series. Caught four no-hitters in his time. I think he tied that with one other pitcher. I remember one of the catcher. No one else has ever done that. Mm -hmm. um, El Capitan. Yeah. He's probably my favorite Red Sox player <clears throat> to watch. So those are, those are my four guys. He was the captain of all those Red Sox teams. Yes, they, sir. And he was there he, beforehand, he was, too. Oh, yeah. He was amazing, even though he played at, you know, Georgia Tech, but we won't get into that. <laughs> we all make bad choices in life, so. 
Uh, as long as you don't pick JBJ with his terrible batting average, we're, we're good. He's, well, he's gone, so don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, so... I kept, it sh- I kept it short and simple. I didn't... Um, took it being that two of those guys, most of their prime was when I was not even 10 years old, so... So moving into my um, Mount Rushmore of athletes, I'm going to start with the probably the most influential athlete uh, on me throughout my my childhood. As we have documented on our micro generations episode, I'm a little bit younger than the rest of the guys on this show. So it makes sense that probably the first athlete that I latched on to was none other than JJ Redick. J.J. Redick was by far my favorite player uh, when I was a kid. I had the J.J. Redick uh, home white Duke jersey. I used to go out in the backyard, and me and my dad had, uh, on, right in front of my basketball goal, had measured out like a free throw line and a three-point line and put it down with duct tape. And I used to go out there and for, for a, a long time would, would try to be shooting threes, pretending I was J.J. Redick. Like, I, that was like, he was what got me into college basketball. I, I still remember number one Duke versus number two Texas. I think it was at Texas in his senior season in 2006. And everybody's expecting it to be a close game. He goes up there and lights him up for like 42 points or something like that. Shot one from like, it seemed like he was shooting it from the other side of Texas. It was so far out. He had so much range. And it's a shame that guy never got a national title. Um, I, I remember, in, I think it was 2003. Um, it, in present day, this would bother me. But back then I was excited about it. NC State versus Duke in the ACC championship game. Julius Hodge was at State at the time, and J.J. Redick was a sophomore, I believe. State was winning a lot of the game, but then J.J. Redick just went on a tear, and Duke ended up beating him for the ACC title. And that was like the first game I remember uh, watching J.J. Redick as a as – uh, he may have been a freshman that year because then his sophomore year, I, I taped it, and I still have it on VHS, of them losing to UConn in the Final Four in 2004 in Chris Duhon's senior year. But J.J. Redick just made an incredible impact on me. He got me into college basketball, got me into Duke. It was He was by far my favorite player, and I think I, I, I've always been drawn to things that most people hate, hence my taste in music. And I really like I, – I loved that everybody hated the guy. Um, like, everybody hated him. And I think I like that about it. He, he, and he was cocky, but he, he was cocky SOB, but he could back it up. So definitely JJ Reddick was the most influential athlete on me during my lifetime. Number two, um, I'm going to kind of throw it over to baseball for a minute because uh, as we've documented on this, I, I'm a Atlanta Braves fan. Um, grew up watching them as did most people throughout the Southeast and even out in the other parts of the country and Chipper Jones by far is a uh, is a big impact on me because Chipper Jones is just a good old boy and I like that about him. Like I, my favorite story is like uh, when Freddie Freeman a few years ago was stranded on the side of the road during a snowstorm. Chipper Jones ran down there on his four wheeler and picked him up and saved him when his car broke down. Like Chipper Jones was just a fantastic third baseman. Went out to left field for a few years and then at the tail end of his career came back to third base. A shame he only got one World Series and I still think they got screwed in his final game with that uh, infield fly rule when it was halfway into left field against I believe it was St. Louis in the in the wild card game, but. But yeah, Chipper Jones was probably one of my favorite baseball players, by far probably my favorite Atlanta Brave. Um, so he's on that list as well. Number three, um, I love college football. And college football really, like as, as much as I loved going to Duke games as a kid, 
NC State's really been my first love in college football, um, going to school there. And when you get brought into NC State and the NC State culture, there's one name that doesn't matter how old you were when he played, that gets thrown around and you you end up just buying in. And that's Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers was arguably, I'm going to be conservative here, top three best quarterback in the ACC history. We in Raleigh think he was number one. He's in he's in the top three and 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 leads some of the categories still in passing records in the ACC. He's a Hall of Famer, fifth all time in touchdown passes. I have a Philip Rivers jersey that I wear to uh, to games over my hoodie during cold weather games at Carter Finley. Everybody in Raleigh loves Phil. Phil's another good old boy. That's just uh, he's one of the best trash talkers in the NFL when he was playing, and he didn't say a single cuss word. Yeah, he he would be like he'd be sitting out there and have people laughing because he'd be like shoot and dadgum it, and he'd do his press conferences and a bolo tie. I mean, it's hard not to like Philip Rivers. And if it wasn't for those damn Patriots and Tom Brady, he probably would have played in a couple Super Bowls during the mid two thousands with those Chargers teams with uh, Antonio Gates and LT. But yeah, Philip Rivers definitely is a big impact on me. Um, and then number four, I kind of went a little out of left field here. I know we said sports, but I consider this sports-ish. But it's definitely the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. And I latched on to Shawn Michaels in 1996 when I was barely two years old. My grandma has tapes upon tapes of Monday Night Raw from when I asked her to record things from 96 to 98 whenever Shawn Michaels was on TV. I've watched him a few times as I've gotten older, and it's cool to kind of relive those times here in the Monday Night Wars. Shawn Michaels starting off as, as you know, the good guy, babyface. Uh, Dustin's favorite was Bret Hart. They had a rivalry around that time, the America versus Canada angle. And then Shawn, Shawn Michaels was one of the leaders and the founder of Generation X. And I remember getting in trouble one Saturday night, uh, after we came back from eating dinner with our, my grandfather and I, I looked at somebody and said, I got two words for you. And then I did a crotch chop pointed to my crotch and said, suck it. it just because that was the DX, uh, 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 motto at the time. And I got in trouble with my mom for that. So <clears throat> Shawn Michaels is arguably the greatest in ring performer in professional wrestling history. It's him and Ric Flair. And then there's everybody else when it comes to in ring ability, but like he he's a charismatic guy and is one is just he puts on a show uh so it's the heartbreak kid Shawn michaels rounds out my top four of mount rushmore i can confirm logan's love not only for Shawn michaels but for wrestling when he was a kid he would get several one year as many as seven birthday cakes in for his birthday and they would often be wrestling themed and they, including with having the cage up around the yeah. the cake. I had an NWO cake one time with the, like Dustin saying, with the cage around it. My grandma put cake frosting on the top that said NWO and everything. Yeah, professional wrestling. I still love it. Don't watch it as much as I used to. But when it was at its peak, I mean, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. It's an entertaining as hell show to watch during the Monday Night Wars. So NWO, DX, Stone Cold, The Rock. Yeah, give it to me all day. Yeah, late mid to late nineties wrestling. I I agree. Probably not much any other time. But. <laughs> I feel like all four of us were took some thinking to get out, but we were all very authentic and very on brand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, 
All right, now that wraps up our Mount Rushmore of athletes for each of us here on Miserable and Reckless. Now it's time for the most uh, anticipated segment of Miserable and Reckless each and every week. I'm going to throw it over to Morgan Irby for his Cancel Corner. All right, well, welcome back to Morgan's Canceled Corner. Canceled. Oh, so, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it. I got a good list here, and uh, I figured I'd pick a good one here. Um, this is annoying to me, but it's my cancel corner, and I'm canceling, not you, not not your sister, not your dog. It's me. So when I'm canceling this week, you know, I was annoyed. I've been annoyed the last couple of weeks here. I'm pulling up to stoplights. Cars pulling up next to me. Speakers just blaring as loud. I mean, I can't even hear myself think. Like, I can't hear anything I can't even hear. I'm deaf now. So people who just like to drive around, blaring their speakers as as loud as possible. I don't want to hear your lyrics. I don't want to hear your music. I have my own music I want to listen to. I can't hear that now. I can't hear anything anymore because of you. So tonight, officially, this is, unlike last week, this is not something I'm going to uncancel ever. You are permanently canceled. People who like to blare, and I don't care what kind of music it is. I have no love here. Whatever it might be, country, rap, rock, reggae, I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I have my own stuff. People who blare their speakers loud as their dick in this while driving, you are canceled. And that is... Morgan, that's very dad-like of me. <laughs> <laughs> we are somehow able to merge Morgan's cancel corner and daddy daycare. <laughs> Here we go. I got dad jokes all day. I haven't slept, and I don't want to hear your Van Halen slash your whatever blaring from your speakers. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to just ride home with my son, who is not feeling well, and you can just pipe down. <laughs> look here. Look here. Now, I don't want to hear your rock and roll music with your woogie-woogie jazz either. Take that stuff and turn it down. <laughs> that, that about does it for this Morgan's segment of Canceled Corner. Tune in, Tune in next week. Same canceled time, same canceled channel. All right. Well, normally we would throw it off for a little positivity and sunshine to bring to our listeners' lives with the Bless Your Heart. But once again, we have to apologize because we have ran out of time. So we're going to kick it off, kick the can down the proverbial road to next week. And that wraps up this episode of Miserable and Reckless. As always, I'm Logan, sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan, and we will see you next time.